Boom. I'm talking to Toothless George. He doesn't like being called Toothless anymore. Is that true? No, I, I don't mind if you call me Toothless George. I just don't want to be called Toothless. Because <laughs> that's an insult. But uh, but I am Toothless George. I get you know. Yeah, that's your uh, Toothless George one one man band. That's the how I've known you for the last probably decade. Um, been going forward. What are you? What have you been doing now lately? So right now I'm doing uh, Poison Hearts Action Club. Uh, did you just stop that? I don't think so. Oh, it is still going. All right. Yeah. Uh, Poison Hearts Action Club. Uh, it's my punk rock and roll band. I've been trying to put this band together since the early 2000s, and I finally have the right group of people to do it with me. And what motivates you to do this band now? Have been a musician in Pittsburgh... Pennsylvania, uh, yeah, no, just no, Pennsylvania no, in general. No, right? no, no, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, and like you've created a name for yourself there, and also touring as Toothless George, the one man band. What what's motivated you to do what you're doing now? So the one man band has always been what I do when I don't have a band. Being a one man band, it's great because you know I can do whatever I want, but you know touring all over the country, you know, by yourself, it's lonely. Yeah, going even down the town, down to the end of the end of the you know to this bar. But you've made connections you know, doing that. Yeah, but you're still doing like five hour, six hour, even longer drives by yourself. That sucks. The best experiences of my life have been on the road with my best friends. And uh, the other thing with being a one man band is everything that's twisting in my head right now, I can't do it all by myself. You know? This is something that I've always wanted to ask you and I've always just wanted to know about. What is your origin story? Just get like the first thing that like brought you into punk rock and just like loving music, playing music, and knowing everything about it, like just from the start. Like, okay, we can do it a really simple way, or we can get really into it. Okay, um, so because this is something I've always wanted to know about. So the very we've had multiple conversations. Sure, sure. So uh, the very first time I got interested in music was um, like my earliest memory instead of going to the toy aisle when my parents took me to the uh, the grocery store I went to the vinyl record aisle and I don't know what year that was but you know they have whatever the current record is they have that in the vinyl record aisle of the supermarket um, and, what and I bought this in? I bought um, I remember the cassette era I don't remember the record era so I bought um, I Can't Live Without My Radio by LL Cool J that was the very first record I ever bought okay I think that came out in 1981 so if not then it, around that time so it was more hip hop than actual punk rock, but your your well, we has been hip hop. We didn't we didn't call it hip hop back then. It was rap. Okay. And white people fucking hated it. Like our parents, they fucking hated it. So I loved it even more. And in my you know in my adult life, looking back on it, I think of you know early rap as the same exact thing as punk rock, 
uh, it's just coming from a different demographic uh, demographic of people um, a perspective that you're just they're not familiar with it's just it's it's the sound of the streets coming from different people yeah you know but it's still the sound of the streets and so my introduction to punk rock was 1987 when I was in seventh grade I went to a school that I didn't know anybody um, and the punk rock kids were the only kids that let me sit at their lunch table because I was a poor kid, I was dirty, and I liked rap. And I loved New Edition. New Edition was my shit. I fucking love New Edition. Fat Boys, Run DMC. Like, I love, just, I don't know, all that shit, I loved it. And, like, that wasn't What about cool. Beastie Boys? Oh, Beastie Boys were great. Beastie Boys were great. Um, I, I saw them with Run DMC. Uh, God. Because you would have been I, I was, in I was, I was super young, but like you might have been like maybe 12, 13? something like that. So I, I, yeah, I, I was super young, definitely super young. But um, yeah, the punk rock kids were the only kids that let me sit at their lunch table. Um, I have no idea. Like, I had never heard punk rock before. I thought that they were only listening to it because it was going to piss everybody else off. I couldn't stand it. I don't know what the first punk rock bands I heard were, but whatever it was, it was garbage to me. I was oh, like, wow. fuck this shit. Because when and you heard then, the Ramones, it was like, oh, this is shit. So I heard the Ramones much later. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that. Um, but the first punk rock shit, I was like, this sucks. This sucks. But then hanging out with them, I was like, oh, huh. There is something to this. And, there is, and I it. You're musical inclined. You're very musically talented. I wasn't back then. Well, you, you didn't know, know that you were yeah. until you started learning music. But you are very much musically talented. Now I am, but this this is. It like takes time to learn. Thirty that. some years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but like um, the first time I heard Mount, uh, the first time I heard um, uh, the Ramones. Um, I was in a band, my very first band that played out live, called Mao and the Chinese Revolution. <laughs> and, That's you know, a great name, by the way. I, um, I was looking at uh, this Ramon CD, and ooh, they've got a song called Chinese Rock. Chinese Rock. Ooh, we're Mao and the Chinese Revolution. Let's cover that song. And I listened to it, and I was like, man, this is weak. Because I was into shit like The Exploited and stuff that was like really fucking aggressive very aggressive and to me at the time Ramones were just sissy music they you know which sounds stupid to me now cause like I love them they're so fucking great they are the foundations of everything what rock and roll punk is like rock and roll punk like, sure. I mean, like there's gonna be like rock and roll and there's rock and roll punk yeah and then there's punk rock to me, that there's like there's that that differentiation. Yeah. To me. No, it, but yeah, no. The, the Ramones are super fucking important. But yeah, didn't like them the first time I heard them. Which, you know, I, I, if I was younger, I would tell you that I'm embarrassed to admit it. But you know what? We all make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and I'm a big enough man to admit that I made a mistake with them. So tell me about the first band that you're in. What what kind of shows did you do? Uh. Bar. Was it like just bars? Like you were so, old enough to be in, in a bar though. So was it like first, high school shows? No, we, I mean I was I was playing bar shows at uh, 
Gee, I don't, I don't remember what. Oh, I do remember my first show. It was, it was a place called Alibis in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, I don't think that place is there anymore. It was all ages. It was all ages. Um, I played with a band called Two Point Five Children. Um, incorporated 2.5 Children Incorporated um, Rancid Posey and um, Jesse's Aftertaste I don't know how the hell I remember that but but yeah that so, as as a like maybe a 15 year old what, what instrument were you playing bass at the time I was playing bass at the time and I was a root note bass player I did not know how to play I got kicked out of bass lessons my bass teacher told me that uh, I was wasting his time and my grandmother's money. I was living with my grandma That's at the time. Rude. But you know what? He was right. Yeah, he, he was totally okay. right. I wasn't doing the lessons. I just wanted to fucking... I wanted to learn fucking Agnostic Front songs and I wanted to learn Misfits songs and shit. And, and that is basically... Like, you can be a bassist as playing a root song bassist, but then there's almost an intuitive wanting to play that extra notes so but you didn't get that until much later so because I know that I, you're a very talented musician now I, so here here's here's the thing with me I uh, I was a root note bass player up until around 95 96 and at what, at what and, age were you at that point uh, 20 in your, your mid 20, 20, 20 something like yeah. that um, and then I went through a really difficult time in my life I don't want to get into that but everyone does I did not pick up an instrument for five years uh, I not at all and in that time instead of just listening to punk rock I started listening to a lot of rockabilly a lot of big band uh, a lot of jazz and that type of thing like what, what were the more influences that you had like Artie Shaw Dizzy Glipsy I mean, I mean the, the, the big ones like, yeah, the big like, ones. like like fucking Tommy Dorsey Glenn Miller yeah. Benny Goodman that type of thing um, uh, Billy Holiday is my all time favorite yes of course um but uh, you know, Stray Cats. Um, uh, when it came um, Robert like, Gordon. Yeah, like when it came to like the kind of the '70s rockabilly scene, it'd be Stray Cats, and maybe like uh, something that'd be like so the like the mod X. I didn't get into X until much later, actually. Okay. Um, but I, I actually see a lot of X influence when I listen to Poison Heart. Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely there. Like we like we love them, and you know having a, a male and female vocal going on and harmonizing with Tati, yeah. like oh yeah, that's definitely in the back of our heads. Um, but uh, so I didn't pick up my instrument for five years at all, not not even a little bit. And my brother, who was in college in Ohio at the time, he started a band out there, and um, uh, I actually had a job so I put out their first 7 inch and um cause I, I thought they were great they were just you know 3 chord pop What's punk band that was the Bedrockers the Bedrockers and um so uh, he and his guitar player were moving to, back home to Philadelphia and he was like hey will you play bass for us and I was like nah nah that's not who I am anymore like I had given up music I had given up playing music and um then um, 
I, you know, eventually I was like, all right, tell you what, I will, I'll play bass with you guys until you find somebody else. And that was, that was that. Yeah. Um, so I started playing with him. I started learning his songs. And it was all just root note bass playing. But then all this like jazz and stuff seeped into my head without me actually knowing what the hell it was. And it was like, what if I do this? What if I do that? And then all of a sudden, I'm a good bass player. <laughs> like, it, that, 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 it had nothing to so do with much. Like, that, that, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. It's just listening to something other than somebody playing the root notes. If you listen to only people playing the root notes, that's all you're going to know how to do. Like, you can be. A random bass player, or it could be Matt Freeman. Yeah, like I mean, not I mean Matt Freeman's fucking great, but like you know I don't want to be Matt Freeman. I you know you want to be I want to be like fucking Marcus Miller. I want to uh, you know not really. I mean I want I just want to whatever is in my head that like I wanna, you want to hit the note. I want to play what's appropriate for the, the song. Note. You want to hit the right note. What's what, whatever's appropriate for the song. That's what I want to play. Exactly. Um, oh, I and see a picture of that. Like, you know, I don't know. But yeah, all of a, all of a sudden, I'm a good bass player, and it's yeah, not because of, you know, practicing with my instrument for hours and hours. It's just listening, like, with open ears to different type of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really my origin story as to like where I got to you know so what inspired to be Toothless George the one man band because that's where I know you as okay so (laughs) that's funny um I saw this guy Hassel Atkins who everybody knows you know uh the cramps covered his song she said which is the first song I heard from him and um I saw him play at JC Dobbs which is uh, uh, actually, the fir- very first place the one-man band ever played um, in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. So I, I always confuse Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. They're, they're, they're pretty far away from each other, but <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so um, I saw what he was doing. Um, and then I was actually playing drums at the time in a band called Fuck Bomb. And, uh, do, the, do they have anything that's listenable? Like, can we find that music anywhere? I don't. I don't know if they released anything. Honestly, um, of all the music that you've, all the bands that you've been in, what can we find? As a, uh, just in as a side, Mal and the Chinese Revolution, uh, the Haplings, the Bedrockers, uh, and the Parsons, Toothless, Toothless George and his one man band, the Percocets, Percocets, uh, the Ravels, um, obviously Poison Hearts AC, uh, Silent 78. Um, but at this point, you weren't even near that. Oh, yeah. You're still just trying to find your... You're trying to find your groove. Uh, at, wait, at what point? When you're starting the band with your brother, after your brother... No, when I was... No, I, I had already... I had already toured the country, like, three times. Uh, Before you started the Toothless George One Man Band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so um... Um... I, uh, so I was with the Halflings um, 
uh, you obviously know the um, teen idols uh, yeah. and uh, fucking Less Than Jake. So their drummer was my drummer. Uh, like he's he's now in Less Than Jake. His brother was our guitar player. We toured the country three times. The first time was with um, the Parasites. The second time was with um, Link Eighty. Uh, no, I know that band. Yeah, uh, were they were more a hardcore band or like kind of like they're like a ska gosh. hardcore band. Um, Scottish hard. Yeah, actually, Donnie, our guitar player, he he put out their, uh, I guess their second seven inch. Do you feel um, like it was easier for you to just be able to do that in that era opposed to what you're doing now? Some things are easier, some things are harder. Um, it's there. There were resources that we had back then that were easier like for a young kid navigating the internet now it's like way easier than me navigating the internet yeah I, you know I, I know the resources are there I just don't know exactly how to find them but like when we were kids we had uh, BYOFL uh, from uh, Maximum Rock and Roll Book Your Own Fucking Life which here's all the clubs that you want to call in every city here's the bands you know and you could you know you'd book entire tours on the telephone like you didn't have a um, and when you contacted the band did it seem like they were uh, responsive or did you feel like sometimes one band would be some, dismissive some bands would be some like a lot of bands were like super helpful some bands just wanted to see their name in print yeah you know um, but um, you know it, it, punk rock was definitely like more of a community back then um, like a tight knit community you know we're, we're still we're still a community but like it's almost like a community based online opposed to like a touring community online like let's be like oh yeah let me let me post this thing online and see how many hits it gets oh yeah yeah the, the I just I just I don't get the internet stuff like I'm trying to like I know it's important but like I, you know you know you at the end of the day, I'm a 48-year-old man. Yeah. Like, and as youthful as I might think that I am, I know I'm not, you know? But you put in the work. You've been in the punk rock scene since you were 14. And I'm going to continue putting in the work. Yeah. Like, so that's the thing. Like, I don't know do how many people actually know the George origin story. Is how much do you want to share about the George Orgin story? I mean, because I know you as Toothless George, the one man band. Yeah. I saw you play at a bar in San Diego the same night I saw the Spits, the same night I saw the Muslims that end up being some other, I forget the, the band that ended up being playing. They, they played Jimmy Fallon some night, whatever. But it's like, I was in these moments where I could see these people that are extremely musically creative and very musically profound and I'm going to be like this is very important for me to see these bands right but now like I just random I can't do that as much not with that attitude what am I missing I mean no I mean punk rock is in my heart now like ever since I realized it wasn't garbage yeah <laughs> you know and like I love going to shows and I love finding new stuff like 
uh, I want to I want to find that like next that band, young band. That, that you know I just saw this band that fucking blew me away the Bobby Lee's uh, they're fucking great you know um, and uh, I, I actually found out about them uh, on a random um, internet search um, or, or just surfing or whatever um, on record store day yeah. and then I walked from my house all the way to Vinyl Junkies because I was like I want to buy this record and they didn't have it and then like a week maybe two weeks later they were playing at the Casbah and I was like I'm going to this and they fucking delivered they were they were a fucking great ass fucking band so as a musician yourself you're still inspired to kind of is it like a competitiveness or is that maybe like just like let me just be on your level because to me it's always been like I've always felt that I need to be on the I want to be on your level as a musician but I don't think I ever will be on your level because you're more talented than I am but that's just maybe my drive to be a certain point so I don't. I don't think that like. I mean, first of all, I love your old band, fucking last year's. Like I, I told you like countless multiple, times. Multiple times, yes. Like, let's move past that. But yeah, no, it's fucking great. So I don't think it's a matter of like one is more talented than the other. It's like if you like, hear something, it's does it inspire good. you to create a, another song? Uh, As a songwriter, not, not directly. I'm I'm positive that everything I hear is seeped into my head and I, I somehow filter everything I've heard. Because you've gone through this whole era of your youth and touring with these bands and doing all these things that you've done that has inspired you. You have a drive. I, you're one of the people that I know that's like, your drive is uncomparable to like anyone else I know. I think you know another big part is uh, you know um, people saying I can't do it. Yeah, um, you know um, I remember you know when I was like uh, thirty or so. My dad, uh, my dad said to me, he's like, you know, you're 30 years old now. Don't you think it's about time you gave up on your dream? <laughs> I don't think he realizes how fucking hurtful that was. I mean, like even hearing that, that sounds hurtful. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he's a little awkward. Like, love him, but he's a little awkward. I mean, it's so give up on your dream in a way that's like I can always create music like my dream is to create music yeah like and I'll never not stop doing that I'm, I'm gonna keep creating music whether I put out records or not yeah like what you know it's just what I do like if I'm bo- like oh my god during during the pandemic you know I'm just like sitting at the edge of my fucking bed like playing all these fucking songs like um, you know I was I was doing this thing where I'd like I'd ask everybody like hey recommend a song that you think I'll like you know or that that you think I'll like that you think that I haven't heard before and I'll learn how to play it and you know all of a sudden the I'm playing all these fucking chords that I never even knew what the hell they were. <laughs> you know? You just, it's experimenting. But you also yeah. play saxophone. How did you learn to play saxophone? So saxophone, like like I was saying earlier, I um I got uh 
I was trying to get my alto sax player on the East Coast uh, to record sax parts for the last record that we did, uh, get his schedule to line up with the the studio on the East Coast and I, I couldn't get them to like line up so I was like fuck it I'm just gonna buy a saxophone and learn learn how to do it myself so just like you literally just did learn to play it yourself yeah like I was I was never good at it you know Paul from Rocket showed me a few things um, but but you know you can read music. No, I can't read music. <laughs> so, so you can t- it's tablature then. So <laughs> you know I, back, not even tablature. Back back then. Oh, I I still don't understand tab. Okay. Like it, it it boggles my mind. But at the time I didn't read music at all. Um, and then you know what? Fast forward to to Poison Hearts. Okay. I was at uh, a bar called uh, the Clutch on Morena Boulevard I lived like right down the end of the block and it was like where I'd go when I didn't want to see anybody just wanted to have a drink by myself and um, there's this guy that walked in and he has this huge ass case and he sits on the floor right behind him and um, I asked him you know you know, what is that because it's like way bigger than a bass case or anything and he's like oh yeah it's my Barry Sachs <laughs> and you know, he's like, you know, I'm not going to leave it in my car in this neighborhood. So, uh, I mean, dude, that fucking thing is fucking super expensive. I don't even want to know what it costs. Yeah. But, but, yeah, like, no, don't. There's tons of fucking, I guess not crackheads in San Diego, but <laughs> tweakers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he, he just brings his, his Barry Sachs in, plops it on the ground behind him, and we just start talking. And, um, you know, that's Michael Panther. Are his real name, by the way, um, and uh, we just started. Yeah, right. That's his yeah. birth name. Um, but uh, we just start talking and um, become like fast friends. And um, you know, we decide. You know, hey, let's do this thing. I've always wanted a fucking saxophone in a rock and roll band because, like, in my opinion, the two things missing from rock and roll in 2023 is fucking saxophone and piano yeah I, I can I can you know, I'd say more saxophone than piano maybe organ oh yeah but you, you fucking put a piano in there get some organ in there like I we, we just recorded all the piano tracks for our new record yesterday and, and it, it's, oh it hits it's so fucking good it it's so fucking good yeah so you have like the alto you have the baritone so no we so we started out because I didn't know anything at the time. I was like, ooh, I want to have one of all the horns. So I had an alto sax, a tenor sax, a berry sax, and then I had a trumpet and a trombone. That seems a bit much. <laughs> it is. Um, but then what I found before our first show, I found out that the alto sax was just a little too high. It didn't have the weight that I thought it needed so we changed it instead of alto tenor we have two tenors and then the berry also and then um, after the after the second show we realized I can't write for the trombone so all the all the charts that I had originally written for the trombone uh, I had our trumpet player play them on the flugelhorn and then uh, you know the, you're the, getting really complex with these these arrangements. Yeah, well, it, it's just like does it what? How does it work for the song? 
so like you know what I do like you know the berry sacks oh so so anyway after meeting after meeting Panther I found a program called Muse Score and I can write all the sheet music but I can't like look at it and read it back yeah so that's but do you give, to, give it to a musician that understands it it's like I'm the conductor yeah that basically that's, and it's, that's kind of like the thing that that's a skill within itself and that's what makes you you yeah yeah let me create this fucking thing let me throw on the pot let me get the right people to make the sauce yeah yeah i I just basically i have the ideas yeah and you know and it's always been good but i you know it's not as good as this thing with the poison hearts because everybody that i've got on board right now is super fucking talented like uh donnie our drummer is from the strikers you know so he, yeah he's strikers so, he's yeah. no fucking joke no fucking um our guitarist biney he's just a fucking shredder he's like a metal he's a metal fucking guitar player uh from death surf and uh then uh, Tatiana, our singer, I went through like I think 23 different singers uh, before we found motorbike. Before we found uh, before we found Tati, mm-hmm. and like a lot of these girls, they they got the job, but they flaked. You know, like so many people flaked. That's the thing and, about being in a band; you want consistency. Oh yeah. So then, you know, I asked Tati. And, um, you know, she and I didn't really know each other at the time. Um, but uh, um, uh, she has a theater background. She's never been in a punk rock band. Yeah. But, you know, she's uh, she had the lead in this, like, big deal play in, in Las Vegas. And, like, so she knows, like, she knows musical theater and all this kind of stuff. So, like... She's there's there's a level of theatrics that you need to make your band feel bigger than what the music is. Yeah, I, if that I, makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, because even the adding the horns, like, so, I mean, here's the thing: there's just be like one, like, and like, and a simple like three chord song, and then with like the theatrics of the singer, it could make the song or break the song. Yeah, when when you when you record a record all you're worried about is the music as soon as you step foot on stage you're not just a musician you're a performing yeah, artist you're a performer so you have to fucking entertain the crowd yeah like yeah you, you can you can just stand there with your your guitars up around covering your nipples like the Beatles and just stand there and play the songs sure you know that worked for them but like I want to fucking I want to bring it like, yeah like the way I feel is like when I get off stage, if I'm not sweating and if I'm not like like completely done, drained, then I didn't put in everything that I needed to put if in. If I didn't put every ounce of my energy into my performance, yeah, it was just another night. Yeah, like I should have mind well just stayed home. That's how I've always felt when I was performing, and I think you might have kind of understood, like saw that. be the end. <laughs> yeah. This is part one. <laughs> yell into the thing. Yell what? Just yell, I'm George, or whatever you want. I'm Toothless George. This is the end of part one. Yeah.
Turn the record over. <laughs> Actually, one. It's probably still going. Uh, I'll have my. All right, part two. We're here with Toothless George. Estoy aquí. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Nope. Nope. That's too bad. In English, por favor. Are you doing good? Sabe bien? Está bien. Yeah, está bien. Okay, so this is part two. This is the you want. This is what the thing that I really wanted to talk about because you wrote the book. To me, is like the end all be all of band etiquette book. When I read this, I was blown away. So explain to me the book, your experiences that led you to writing the book, and why you put so much effort. Put it out. So, uh, the book that you're talking about, because there's a few books that I wrote, but the one you're talking about yeah. is Band Together. Uh, it is uh, basically everything between uh, first rehearsal and first show. Has nothing to do with getting famous, has nothing to do with like getting signed or going on tour or anything it's just knowing what to do when you show up to that first club it felt like almost things that after two shows you should know but bands play multiple shows and they don't know bands uh, I see bands that have been playing for like over a decade that don't know certain things um, like like I, I don't know like it's all stupid stuff. Like, say please, say thank you. Um, like, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff in the book is really just common sense. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was in a band called the Percocets. You know, I started it with uh, with these two girls who had never been in a band before. Um, and, uh, you know, they had, uh, you know, the, the, the one girl, she was a gymnast. She broke her back, couldn't do gymnastics anymore. Um, and someone gave her a guitar and, you know, was like, hey, try this. And she really liked it. And, you know, she wrote a few songs. And Did it ever get to the point where, like, you felt you needed to pull back your bandmate's ego? Wait, do what? Like, you had to pull back your bandmate's ego. Uh, or, like, they, like, you guys were getting some sort of, like, kind of recognition and, like, oh, we're the... We're top, we're top notch, we're top dogs. So then you, as a performer, like, no, roll it back a little bit. How many occasions did you have of that? I'll be honest with you, I think the, the one most responsible for uh, having that attitude was me when I was younger. I, w I was such a fucking cocky little asshole. I was an so asshole. So you had to learn yourself. That's what kind of oh, like led. I made so many mistakes. I made so many mistakes. I, you know, I had that whole like, don't you know who the fuck I am attitude. attitude yeah. And like, you know, we all know like that doesn't fly. You know, especially like, dude, you're you're playing this bar that's 150 capacity. You're nobody. Like, like, yeah, you've got fans and and you play good music, but like, dude, 20 people showed up to your show. Like, you're not, you're not a fucking rock star. Stop acting like it. Yeah. And, so, and then what took you to learn? Uh, would it say? Would it be humility? Definitely, definitely. 
What's uh, a, what, what was the point that you learned that? Because uh, I know when, what I know when I learned it was when I played the Casbah for the first time. I realized I am out of my league. I've been playing here at the Tower Bar. I've been playing a lot of small bars, and then I'm like, I am not equipped to what they expect for a band to play at that certain level. There's I'm, I, the, the, for professionalism that that is expected at certain venues. Right. So for me, there wasn't any one single particular like moment where I'm like, aha. But, um, like, to be honest with you, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I mean, I played my first show in 88. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember all just all the times I was just being a snotty punk kid playing shows up like random places, but also knowing that I'm being extremely unprofessional and reflection of that. I mean, so I don't know. Like, but the, the, the thing that that like really is profound is that the book that you wrote explains how to avoid those moments. But but that's also coming from the point of view of an adult who has made every single one of those mistakes. Exactly. Like I I, I made those mistakes. Like if if, if we had the book in front of me and, and I could like oh this thing that I'm talking about right here. This is this is why I this is how I learned this one particular yeah. thing. Okay, so let's, let's just break it down from the from the start. Songwriting, you write a song. Uh, what? Yes, I write songs. What's the question? Sorry. You write you write the song, and you need to have this. You need to bring the song to your band, but then you need to make sure that the bands are on board with how the song is written. But then also, you also need to know that who's in your band has enough input to like, change it enough, and you need to not have the ego to be like, no, this is how I wrote it, and this is how it's going to be. So That's like part one to me. So, you know, right now with with, with, what, with the Poison Hearts, like... I, but like, you can't say that because that's like years of experience, like being a 15-year-old kid writing a punk but, song. But what you're saying is like, I do it the same exact way. Every single thing that I do right now, uh, as far as writing songs, is the same way. Um, I have a lot of time by myself. You know, I don't drink at home. I don't, you know, I don't have a girlfriend. I just sit grab your guitar I grab my guitar you know and I write on the guitar even though I'm a bass player I write on the guitar that's a different thing that's the difference between you and me is like where all my songs have been written on bass then I transcribe it to guitar so all of my songs uh, a good a good chunk of them are written quote unquote written as I'm walking down the street I'll, your mind. I'll have a melody oh. in my head and then I'll I'll kind of scat over that and then eventually the, the scat words will, will turn into actual words and you know then once I've got that then I'll pick up my guitar and figure out what the chords are to go to that yeah. and then and then I'll refine the, the song and then I'll write a bass line but like I already have a feel of what that drums are going to do. I already have a feel uh, 
for you know even the backup vocals I'm like oh yeah this is you know and I present them like hey this is what this is what it is you know? so then you got like maybe you get your initial six songs then you get to band practice band practice etiquette uh, like I mean so so man it, it, it's so weird because like the way we do it now is like I do one on one with like bass and drums I'm gonna deal with just you and I'm gonna teach you the song and you're gonna know like okay I need to hit the accents here and that type of thing and then I'll do one on one with the guitarist and because you know if, if you're teaching two people at the same time and then there's side conversations and nothing gets done and there's drinking and it's party and no like I'm I'm, I'm here to work yeah so uh, so, so there's no, there's no jam vibe mentality in your the way that you no. create with the way you write songs now but when you were, maybe when you're a teenager or maybe when you're a younger age there was there there would have been that jam mentality I think there was only that jam mentality with my very first band okay um, because we were all learning what it meant to be in a band yeah um, and you know that band lasted for I think three years. So three years in, we know what it means to be in a band. Yeah. And then, and that first band, you know, we put out a seven inch and everything. So, uh, you know, the next band started like almost immediately. I don't remember how much time was in the middle, but, um, you know, we've already, we're already on a record label. Yeah. You know, so. So this is another question because the book describes, I've read the book multiple times so it's like it describes how you can be from starting the band getting the right band members like knowing how to like it's not rehearsal it's not practice no it's not practice it's, it's rehearsal no, it's rehearsal right practice exactly. is what you do in your bedroom by yourself yeah so and then it gets to how are you going to portray yourself live and how to get shows and when you get the show how what's the etiquette when you are presenting yourself to the venue and well, it's I think, different so much different from like when where you are like in Pennsylvania to where we are in San Diego and California but I mean manners are the same manners everywhere are, yeah exactly and, and or it should be but like, but it almost feels like so much more competitive in your era oh. than it was here so the bands don't get that they need to do the things that, the way that you did it when yeah. you grew up so like I mean, in San Diego, everything's different. Everything is relaxed. Um, it seems to me it, like this is going to sound like I'm talking shit, but this is just this is just an observation. Like San Diego is fucking beautiful. It's fucking amazing. And like, if you if you fail here, it doesn't matter because you're still in San Diego. Like. And I feel like a lot of people have the idea that it doesn't matter if we fail, so why bother trying? I get that. Like, I hate that. Like, like I can't tell you how many... I, I will never tell you... I will never name any bands, but I can't tell you how many times I go to a show and I'm disappointed that I spent five bucks on something that ain't worth a free show. Like, you know, I... I if I pay money to see a band play, like, at least give me $5 worth. Entertain me. Yeah, you know. Make me, you know, make me know that you're putting the effort. Don't, don't like, 
don't and that's tell very, jokes that's on stage. That's, that's something very profound in your book. It was like, I remember it was like, like take put, it seriously. If you want to do it, do it. If you're on stage, make sure that if there's five people on the stage, like there's five people watching you, to twenty people watching you, to a hundred people watching you. No one got a discount. No because one leaves unsatisfied watching your band. Yeah, no. And that's one, one of the biggest points that you wrote in that book. No one gets a discount because only five people showed up. Yeah. So, you know, it's the only way that it can be a shitty show is if you make it a shitty show. And the best thing about that book that you wrote is that how do you get there? Because it pinpoints every single point. So let's name the book. I know we've it, it's, it's called Band Together, the definitive guide to starting a band. I, it's, I, I wrote it in 2013. I wrote I it. I wrote it I ten it years to, ago. I, I bought it the so day it came out. I don't. And to be honest with you, I haven't read it in a while. So, I don't think really it needs to because it's so much. Like you say, it's common sense. As like as a mus- as a playing like a live playing musician, this shit be should be common sense. You shouldn't need to be told this, but unfortunately, bands need to be told this shit yeah. constantly due to their own ego. Well, a, a lot of it is ego, and a lot of it is, you know... Immaturity and no one, like, not you, knowing... You don't teach this in school. No. Your parents don't know it, unless they're already in bands. Like, who, who are you going to learn it from? It's like... So, band track. Let's, let's get... So, like, let's, so we went... Songwriter George, you wrote the songs. You wrote in your bedroom ten songs. Starting from there, yeah. You got three dudes to be in your band: drummer, bass player, yeah. rhythm guitar player. You're the you're sing, either singer, songwriter, or whatever. You're going through the rehearsals. You're going through rehearsals. Like we want to perform these songs. How do you get shows? How do I get shows? Uh, as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid, how do you as, get shows? As a, in Pittsburgh. In, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. She's, she's, she's from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, Pennsylvania. I'm just going to say Pennsylvania for now. You, you get shows the same way in Pittsburgh as you do in Philadelphia, as you do in San Diego. It doesn't matter where you're from. You, you know, uh, look at the flyers. You know, uh, you know what venues. Talk, talk to the bands that you um, that you. Uh, um, so, what bands you, were that you were playing in? What bands were most? That you, I know when I was a kid, I played with certain bands all the time because we were always able to get shows. Because so, like, what bands were you always playing so with? It was all like our local scene was so fucking tight. It was, it was. Um, uh, the glue was Creep Records, which was our local was the label that we were on. So like every show, we would seemingly every show seemingly we'd play the same shows. You know, it was. My band, you know, uh, Halflings, with Plow United, with The Boils, with Bug Light, with, like, all these Creep Records bands. And, you know, Plow United blew up. The Boils obviously blew up. Yeah. Like, but there, you know, there was no expectation for these bands to, like, actually gain success. No, it was, it was like, like, let's like, party. Let's, yeah, let's hang let's, out with our friends. Yeah, let's exactly. play for our friends. And, like, 
you know, I, I never gave a shit about getting famous. Like, if it happens, whatever, uh, you know, whatever. But the real, the real thing is like, I've got a song in me. Like, I don't have kids. These songs are my kids. So, you know, hey, it's Father's Day today. So, like, and, and, and how many songs do I have? They're all my kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> hundreds. So then you get like, okay, so. I'm just kind of, kind of like from like this, from starting the band, or like creating songs, starting the band, going through rehearsals, getting shows. What is the etiquette for playing the shows? This is the brass tax of it because a lot so, of bands do not get this point. And I've been playing in bands since I was 15. I learned it two shows in. I will say this: when you're on stage, you're a rock star. When you're on stage. You are fucking cooler than everybody in the fucking place. Everyone's there to see you. Everybody's there to see you, and they better might be, be two people. Right. Might be 200 people. But when you get off stage, you are super fucking humble. You're no you're, better. You're nobody. You're no better than get anybody your shit else off in there. The stage. Yeah, get it off stage quickly. You know. Let the next band be the rock star. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, just just be cool. Like, being being a rock star... What is, like, what is your attitude about, like, bands that, like, did not have that ability to be humble, though? This is the thing that I've always found. Like, I can be, like, uh, the biggest kind of, like, heel guy on stage, direction everything towards me off stage, then be like, hey, man, thank you for being here, and then seeing the guy on next stage... Just not do any of the things that you're probably talking what you're talking about. So, how do you deal with those types of bands? How do I deal with them? I, I don't. <laughs> you know, um, like when it comes time to like, you know, hey, some promoter asked me to play a show and they want us to like fill out the rest of the bill. There's bands that I will not call because I know they're going to be a pain in the ass or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's how I deal with them. I just don't. And and I think a lot of venues are the same way. Like, yeah. if, if you're not easy to work with, people aren't going to want to work with you. But, the, like, there's bands that are not easy to work with that still get better shows than what you're getting. That's and not my business. A, there's, like, a bitter, there's a bitterness to it, but you also know it's like, Eventually, they're gonna fuck up. So here, here's here's my thing. There, you know, there, there's bands that sure they'll get opportunities that I don't get. But they're not just like you don't like other but, bands that might not get. But you know, I'll get opportunities that other bands can't get. Like yeah. like you know, it's I can't I can't be like jealous of other bands. Like you know, I I can be. I can be supportive of other bands like oh hey this band that did this fucking awesome thing that's so great for them like oh man like like my, my friends fucking X-Team and the Reckless Hearts you know they got to go over to fucking tour Europe fucking awesome that's great for them yeah. you know like do I wish I could get over there sure or you know am I working towards it yeah you know but like just because something happens for some other band doesn't mean it can't happen for so, me it's not a competition no it's I always felt that I don't support the scene. I support the bands that I like that play where I'm living at. I don't. If that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know sense? what the scene means yeah, right? anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like my friends. You know, uh, 
you know, I support my friends. Um, if, uh, you know, and, and like, I'm willing to make new friends, you know, and, you know, you know, it, you know, welcome more people into that scene uh, or into that circle or whatever, which, you know, that's the scene to me. Like, this, this whole idea of, like, the punk scene, like, you know, there's people you don't like in every circle and there's people you do like and like I'm not gonna say that oh yeah I support the whole fucking scene no like I support the people that are cool to me and the people that deserve my support you know I saw your band your band is badass I'm gonna see your band next yeah like I like you guys you know like I I told you like that that, that band the Bobby Lees I had no idea about them they were fucking great yeah Um, you know um uh, so when it comes to, so starting the band you make sure that everyone that's in your band sometimes it doesn't work out sometimes band members leave whatever and then, but you have to know what it takes to be able to get to the point where you want to put, perform live right and you get the shows you cultivate this community of being like hey I got these venues that we can play shows at yeah let's not fuck that up and then once you garner that scene there's other bands that want to latch on to you because they know that you can get them shows at venues they may not be welcome at and there is that level of well I don't just like are you kissing my ass because I know I can get you this show or are are you kissing my ass because you actually really like me do I like your band to help you enough so even past that it's like where does the like the music stop being the priority and just being like trying to be the successful musician? So I, I first of all, I I don't think I'm at the point yet where people are kissing my ass. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> like, so I don't know how to answer that. Um, like, you know, I, you know, I feel like. Like, okay, yeah, I've done all this fucking shit, yada, yada, yada. Who cares? This is what I'm doing now. I feel like this is a brand new band. I'm starting from scratch. And, like... But you've I'm gone s- through it. But it, it, it doesn't matter. It, you, you're still... Like, I'm still a local band. A local level band. Like, I'm, you know... I don't know like until until you're like playing to hundreds of fucking people every single fucking night like you know who the hell cares like just be fucking cool to fucking everybody and and when it this is the thing that it's very profound in the book because I've read it like twice and it was like just like the things like I had kind of felt like I was already doing the things but it also reaffirmed that I should not take for granted what you wrote in that book which is like support everything that you could support don't be a fucking dick that's really the, that's really the hard be as don't best, be a dick be as best as you can when you're in an environment playing music that is very already inherently hard to be in. Yeah, it's... 
it's the music business. Yeah. It's business. So, like, when you're not on stage, you have to be a businessman. It, you know, it's it's lame. Like, a lot of being in a band is not fun. It's like, but it has to be done. And you have to do it well, or you're going to fucking fail. So, what, well, what was the motivation for you writing the book? Was it just kind of like, uh, so, it, it was almost like, almost, it was almost like a self-history, but you didn't really put so much of your own story in the book. You did add a lot of kind of like scenarios when you were in the perks and the halflings and stuff, but you didn't really actually get dive deep into it so, so much. So it wasn't, it, it was, wasn't my story. It was and that's 20 why. years of you being in the music industry knowing how to perform and making mistakes and making mistakes and correcting those mistakes but, yeah so that was your motivation of the book so but like it, what, the whole the whole the whole idea was like when I started the perks with uh, with Cole uh, she um, didn't know anything and like all these ideas that I just I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. I had to teach her and it was like a brand new information to her and that's why. I was like, oh, hey, I've got all this information that I can help. You know, I can help all these people and like, you know, um, like like I said, that, that, um, that, that kid, you know, wrote me an email. He's like, hey, I fucking love your band or I love your book and like, you know, my band fucking look at that book as your Bible yeah. and you know like I already told you earlier like I was going through my old emails and fucking um, uh, you know trying to clear up space in my inbox and found this guy's email and I wrote him back to see how he was doing and you know hey are you still playing music and he's now a Grammy nominated producer yeah. Hank Byerly and uh, yeah, he. So, so if if anything, as we're closing up here, yeah, yeah. What do you feel you can leave as an elder statesman <laughs> <laughs> to a younger generation? Is it basically just not be a dick, or just try to be as encompassing to whatever? That whatever is going on now, like how would you encompass it? So it's because it's hard, right? So it's weird. I, I would say this: don't be a dick is number one. Number two is be polite. You know, I, and that's almost the same thing, but it's not. No, like yeah. being polite is like one step above you know like you know don't be a dick is like you know don't kick that dude in the nuts because you think it's going to be funny even though it's going to be totally hilarious (laughs) and it's almost like the 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 etiquette for live shows is the most important show up on time show up on time when when the club tells you to be there show up at that time don't be like eh I don't feel like waiting around so I'm going to get there late I'm going to get there when I feel like because at that point you're being disrespectful respectful to the club don't be fucking a dick to the other bands if you get 10 minutes you got 10 minutes yeah totally you know they said, I was like no I deserve 15 minutes no they gave you 10 minutes and you yeah, get 10 that's, minutes that's what you get like I no, mean it's generally the don't will give you 10 minutes they'll give you 20 minutes but like set up time Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like Just if generally. a club tells you to get to the club an hour before doors, 
get to the club an hour before doors. Don't yeah. show up like right before you're supposed to go on to the venue. Says you don't get a sound check. You don't get a sound check. You should know what your sound is because you have rehearsed enough yeah. to know what your levels are. So I that's one of my biggest things for here at the Tower Bar specifically. This is basically playing in your rehearsal studio. Yeah. There's nothing. You, so, I, so my levels are going to be what the, my levels are. If you ask me for a sound check, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Because I booked multiple shows here. What what we do here is, uh, you know, uh, will like my guitarist and I will both hit the same note, and our singer will come out front and be like, hey. This needs to come down. This needs to come up, or whatever. And and our drummer will be hitting things. There is, how is that? But that's is, it. There is a difference between a, just a general punk band and a band that you has like with the horns and like how you want everything to be just, kind of we're mid. Still just a punk level. Band. I know, but like there's there's that you need to have a certain set of levels that like you would want to have everything sound right, but. Generally, to me, if you do what you do in your rehearsal studio, you should be able to do that here. Yeah, and, and honestly... You should be able to do that any venue you play. Every, what you do at rehearsal is exactly the same thing that you should do live. Yeah. Like, that's why it's rehearsal and not practice. Yeah. It's like, we are rehearsing what we plan to do at the live show. We're not jamming. Yeah, I hate jamming. I hate, I hate it, I hate it. I, I love jamming, but until it gets to the point where we need to rehearse. The reason I hate jamming is because at the end of a jam session, you don't necessarily have anything that you can use. Yeah. You might stumble upon something, but a lot of times you might not. It may have just been like, eh, we just fucked around for two, three hours, and we got nothing to show for yeah. it. And... I don't know. Uh, you know, you could say, oh, well, we had fun. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, if you're 15, you know, I'm, I don't want to. So how, like, if, like, it takes you starting a band when you're 14 years old, playing shows up until you're 18 years old, and you're still, like, loving doing music into our age, yeah. which I'm 40, 48. And, I mean, like, you know, I still love doing it. I'm not going to stop. I've learned, I've learned to not be that 18-year-old asshole that I might have been. I want to teach the kids that aren't maybe experienced enough to make bullshit mistakes, but then they're still going to be saying, no, fuck you. They should say fuck you. Yeah. They should say fuck you. Like, like you know, when you're on stage have all the fucking attitude in the world like be fucking cocky but when you're off stage you're just a regular joke grab you know? your shit get it off stage yeah just when like, you're on stage whatever the fuck you want to do do whatever you fuck you yeah. want to do when you're off stage please stage thank you yeah 30 minutes included 30 it's minutes included. you signed up your shit breaking down your shit is also on stage yeah but like when you're off stage please thank you you know oh no you're off stage too. it's all booze Ooh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I, I really appreciate the time that you've given me. I've, I've been wanting to do this with you for a while to talk to you on the podcast about 
the book that you read like also like even like the conversation that you had about like your history in the punk rock in general because <laughs> I never knew that a lot of it yeah I just I just knew your tooth is George the one man Dan because I like I said I, I saw you I saw you and the Spits the same night right, two right. different venues right right yeah I I don't so know it was just kinda, I saw you at Radio Room I saw the Spits here Okay. <laughs> so, so that was. It might have been. That was before I moved here. Then. Yeah. Because if it was radio room, I didn't move here until it was. Uh, 2011. Yeah. Bar 11 was when when I moved here. Yeah. And it's been like how many different places? Zombie Lounge. Quite a bit. Like, but, yeah. So. So that's uh, I guess that's uh, anything you want to close up. Uh, I will close up with the most important thing I could possibly say. Snoochie boochies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's great. All right, cool.